In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City Worship Podcast. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And we are still in the midst of the Easter season where we revel and rejoice in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was crucified on a cross. He was buried. And the scriptures tell us that he was raised by God from the dead. And so we spend these weeks of our our lives rejoicing and also considering what it means to live in light of the resurrection. Out of a desire to love our neighbors and to care for the most vulnerable among us, we continue to worship via podcast for now, but there are only four more Sundays until we are going to be able to regather in person uh, at our church at 819 John Adams Street. There will be more details coming out about uh, what that's going to be like, uh, safety precautions that we still need to take because of COVID. Um, But it's going to be a very exciting time. And over the next few weeks, we're going to give church members an opportunity uh, to let us know what they're excited about when it comes to regathering for worship. And the first person we're going to hear from is my wife, Katie Witham. Hi, my name is Katie Witham. I'm Pastor John's wife. First Baptist Church of Oregon City is a really special place for me. We moved here in the summer of 2019, having no friends or family here in Oregon, but at FBC we found both. We have a home there. And while I know the church isn't just the building, and it's so much more than Sunday mornings, I am still so excited to begin regathering in the building soon. I feel like I'm coming home after a long time away. Even with some of the temporary precautions we're taking, masks, meeting in the gym, and everything, nothing can replace the physical presence of those we love. I can't wait to be in your presence with the presence of the Lord, and I hope you are too. Thank you, Katie. Just a couple things I'd like to draw your attention to this morning. We do have Zoom coffee hour. If you are listening to this before, 11.30 a.m. Pacific time on the 2nd of May, 2021. We do have our Zoom coffee hour and we will be celebrating the Lord's table. Uh, We'll also be having a Lord's table uh, service in this worship podcast. Uh, So if you're not able to join us on Zoom, you can celebrate the Lord's table uh, with us that way. Also, Pentecost is coming up. Yes, May 23rd is Pentecost. It is the day the Holy Spirit descended and filled the the church and and filled the believers. Uh, And it's recorded in the book of Acts chapter 2. And much like we did last year, this year we're going to ask you again to wear red for Pentecost. Uh, Red is the color of fire. And so with the Holy Spirit's fire, we observe that by wearing red. And If you'd like to take a selfie or have somebody take your picture or uh, however you, you know, draw, do an artist rendering of your, your, you or your family wearing red, uh, please do that on the 23rd. Again, that's the 23rd of May, 2021. Uh, And you can email it to our church at baptist.church at comcast.net. You can send a message to us over Facebook through the church Facebook page. Uh, or you can tag us on social media. On Instagram, we are One Baptist Church OC. Uh, so wear red for Pentecost, and you'll hear more about that in the coming weeks as well. We are happy to worship with you this morning, and we are glad to be worshiping in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is alive, and he is present with us whenever we worship him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as we worship this morning, as we sing, as we pray, as we hear God's word read and proclaimed, we pray that the power and the presence of our Lord would be known to you and that you would worship Jesus in spirit and in truth this morning. Hallelujah In the 
the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder. You're gonna hear my praises roar up from the ashes. Hope will arise, death is defeated, the king is alive. I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. I raise a hallelujah. I will watch the darkness flee. I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery. I raise a hallelujah. Fear you lost your hold on me. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder. You're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. Sing a little louder, sing a little louder, sing a little louder, sing a little louder. Sing a little louder in the presence of my enemies. Sing a little louder, louder than the unbelief. Sing a little louder, my weapon is a melody. Sing a little louder, heaven comes to fight for me. Sing a little louder in the presence of my enemies. Sing a little louder, louder than the unbelief. Sing a little louder. My weapon is a melody, sing a little louder, heaven comes to fight for me. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm, louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise, death is defeated, the king is alive. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm, louder and louder. Praises roar up from the ashes. Hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. Hear the word of the Lord. One day Moses led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. 
Then the Lord said to him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh, who must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I am Diane Whitecamp, and uh, I'm reading scripture for May 1st, which is John 21, 1 to 14. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Dimitmus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the, the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to pull in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Let us come before you in prayer. Most holy God, we come before you today to praise and thank you for being our creator. All of us were created for a special purpose for our lives. You have given us this purpose, not to glorify ourselves, but to glorify you. Help us to delve into your words given to us in the Bible. Give us a heart to learn more of you by diligently seeking the scriptures daily. Place it in our hearts to be in prayer, asking for the Holy Spirit to be a part of our lives. Lord, your desire is to be a part of our lives. We thank you for the grace and mercy you show us each and every day. You promised us that you would be merciful to us even though we have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. You kept that promise when you gave us your precious son to be our sacrifice. And by the shedding of his blood, he cleansed us of all our sins. Those who have given their hearts to Christ and believe in his redemptive work on the cross 
have experienced the saving power of his blood. Father God, I pray for those who have not accepted Christ as their savior and pray that they will open their hearts to accept the life-saving difference it can make in their life. I pray that we can be the mouthpieces to spread the good news of Jesus, saving grace to those who do not know him. We thank you for the peace of mind that comes in our lives when we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Lord, there are many who need a touch from you. Touch those who are ill or are battling treatment for cancer. Many are weary. We know that you are able to um, bring peace within their lives. You are able to heal because you are all powerful. You are also our tender shepherd. And as our shepherd, you are able and willing to protect them. May our prayer be a prayer for your will to be done because your plan for their lives and also for all of us, um, all of our lives is perfect. There are others who also need a touch from you. You know what the prayer needs are. My prayer is for them to lay whatever their burden is at your feet. You have each situation under control. May we listen for your answer and may we step out in faith to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Many of us have friends, neighbors, relatives, and acquaintances who have prayer needs. Work in each life, Lord, as only you can do. Bring peace to those who are anxious, comfort to those who are in pain, wisdom for those who don't know what to do. You are concerned for everyone of your children and are willing and able to help them. Be with the young people of our young church. Graduation is fast approaching and there will be anxiety about where the future will hold. Will there be a job or what am I going to do? Bring peace to their thoughts and may they follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Be with the leaders of young church as they counsel these young people. You are with each young person and will be their partner if they ask you to be. Be with our church as we anticipate regathering on June 6th. May it be a day of celebration. May the Holy Spirit put joy in our hearts as we praise and worship you. Be with Pastor John today as he brings a message from John 21, 1 to 14. Fill him with your spirit as he brings us the words you have given him to say. May we open our hearts and ears to receive your message you have given him. May our podcast be a blessing to all who hear it. Be with us all this coming week. May we lift up our church in prayer as we anticipate reconvening uh, our in-person worship. May we hold up those who are listening to our podcast and contemplating becoming a part of our church family. May the Holy Spirit work in all of our lives in his special and wondrous ways as only he can. In your holy name. I want you to think of the big moments in your life. You know, maybe these are moments like your high school or college graduation. Uh, maybe it is when you, uh, when you got married and, uh, or when you, you had a child or adopted a child. Uh, maybe it's when you retired and uh, there was a big celebration for your retirement. Or maybe these are, less pleasant moments like uh, when you or a loved one went through some sort of a health concern and it might have been scary and it might have been dangerous and you get home or worse after you put somebody that you love very much into the ground and you kind of look around at your family um, or after some sort of tragedy like the wildfires we had here in Oregon last summer, um, we, we tend to, after all of these major events, both good or bad, look around and kind of go, well, what's next? In fact, at some of these events, people explicitly ask, what's next? 
You've graduated from high school. What's next? You've graduated from college. What's next? You've retired. What's next? Uh, and sometimes we have to ask the question in the, the tragic times of what next? You know, maybe there are appointments that we need to go to or tests that still have to be run and results have to come back. Physical therapy might need to be done. Or after you've buried someone, you kind of look around at your family and you go, well, what's next? This is clearly a question that was on the disciples' minds, even in light of the resurrection, even in light of Jesus appearing to them, because they've all seen Jesus at this point. Most Mary Magdalene got to see Jesus first, then the rest of the disciples, and then the disciples plus Thomas. But interestingly, one person that isn't mentioned is Peter. Peter doesn't get mentioned in the list of people who have already uh, who have seen Jesus, he doesn't get mentioned explicitly. We assume he was there because if he weren't there, as, as it was mentioned that Thomas wasn't there, we would have assumed, yeah, oh yeah, Peter wasn't there as well, that it would have said that in the text. So we can assume that Peter was there and we assume that Peter has seen Jesus, but he's not mentioned. In fact, the last time that Peter gets mentioned in John chapter 20, before the, the passage for the morning, uh, which is from John 21, the last time Peter was mentioned before this passage was he was wondering what the empty tomb meant. And that was it. That was the last time we hear mention of Peter. It's important at this point to go back and remember some facts about Peter. Uh, Peter was a fisherman. We know this not from John's gospel. We know this from other gospels, um, that Jesus had met Peter uh, when he was fishing, uh, along with, with James and John. And we also know that Jesus said that Peter was the rock on which he would build his church, because Peter was one of the first, uh, was the first disciple to outwardly and obviously claim that Jesus is the Messiah, the, the Messiah that, that they had been waiting for. Uh, we also know that shortly after, uh, Jesus had to rebuke Peter uh, for, for trying to say that, no, you won't, you won't have to die. You won't have to be crucified. And we also know that Peter denied Jesus three different times when Jesus desperately needed his friends to, to be around him. And so we go from that scene at the tomb where Peter has denied Jesus and shows up at the tomb to find it empty. And now Peter says, all right, I'm going to go fishing. We find out at the end of the passage, this is the, will be the third time that Jesus has appeared to the disciples and so Peter has seen Jesus two other times, presumably. And now he just says, I'm going fishing. Apropos of nothing. This is just what he's going to do. Why? Because it's what he's used to. Peter knows the life of a fisherman. He knows what this life means. He knows what this life entails. And so he goes back to it. He gets up. All the disciples go with him. And he gets on a boat and he fishes all night. I have been fishing once and I, I can't say that it ranks high on my favorite experiences of my entire life. Uh, it was kind of slow. It was a bit boring. And when I did catch a fish, uh, it was at a catch and release sort of situation. I hooked the fish through the eye and I feel terrible about it to this very day because now there's a fish probably dead by this point. Uh, but I threw this fish back and he was only going to be able to like swim leaning off to one side because I had poked one of his eyes out. So fishing, not great for me, but I've heard enough fishing stories to know that fishing is one of those things that if you're a fisherman 
and you're having trouble fishing, everybody having trouble catching fish, everybody has an opinion about what you ought to do differently to catch more fish. And so it's been a long night and the disciples have been trying to catch fish and they're not catching a blessed thing. And then there's this guy at dawn off on the shore who is shouting fishing advice to them. And put yourself in Peter's position for a second. He had to have been a little annoyed at this. He had to have, it had to have graded him a little bit that here's this person offering fishing advice. But it works. They hadn't caught, they had not caught anything. And Jesus says, put your nets over the other side of the boat. Now, this had happened in other gospels. This had happened earlier uh, in, at least in the book of Luke, where Jesus had said, you know, try, try putting your net on the other side and see what you catch. But they do it again. And this is how John knows that it's Jesus. And he tells Peter, this is the Lord. And Peter, in a, a massively impulsive moment, puts his clothes back on so that he can jump in the water and swim to shore. Uh, and, and so he's just so excited to see Jesus. And in this moment, Peter remembers that there's a new life in Jesus. He remembers that Jesus is alive and he excitedly goes to Jesus. So many times, we face these moments in our lives where we don't really know what to do next. And so we revert back to what's familiar. Even if we know Jesus, even if we have walked with Jesus up, up through most all of our entire lives, if you have grown up in church and you should know better, sometimes when, when we don't know what to do next, we just revert back to ways that feel familiar, even if they don't particularly line up with the ways of Jesus. Jesus had told the disciples in John chapter 20, as the Father has sent me, so am I sending you, breathes the Holy Spirit upon them and sends them out to do his work and Peter's fishing. Not metaphorically fishing for people, as Jesus said they would, but literally actually fishing, going back to what they used to do for a living. We do the same thing sometimes. And there's a lot of different reasons that we do it. But this morning, I'm here to tell you that we don't have to live this way, that we don't have to keep going back to ways that are not like Jesus. Because we're looking at everything in light of the resurrection. And when we look at this new life of Jesus, we see the same thing that the disciples saw in the nets that they had cast on the other side of the boat, and that is abundance. Sometimes when we don't know what to do next, we live out of scarcity. We start to live out of the, the ways of the world, which are ways of scarcity. People hoard money, people hoard possessions, people hoard things that are valuable because they're afraid that they won't have enough or that they won't know who they are without their money or without their health or without their well-being. And so they, they hoard it up as treasures rather than living the life of abundance that Jesus meant for us to live. And this is what happens with the disciples is they're, they're sitting there and Peter says, I'm going to go fishing because they hadn't been able to imagine this life that Jesus was sending them out on. They hadn't been able to envision what it would look like for God himself to be sending them out on mission and providing for them 
all the way through. That's what the book of Acts is about. The book's, book of Acts is about the disciples finally getting it and going and doing what Jesus had sent them to do. Not fishing, going out and sharing the love of God, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ that through Jesus, God has redeemed the world and is renewing and reconciling all things back to him. And that we are participating in this as the new people of God. This is the gospel. And when we live out of scarcity, we can't live out the gospel because the gospel is abundance. The gospel is Jesus already having breakfast waiting for us on the shore. And Peter has swam out to meet Jesus and he is standing there dripping on the shore, um, maybe feeling a little sheepish because eventually he does still have to go back and help pull the boat in. But he's already jumped in the water. He's already wet. It makes me think of this movie, Home Alone, where uh, a family leaves their young son uh, unattended at home at Christmas time. Uh, and it's a comedy and they, you know, he, he has all of these adventures and there's a couple of guys who are trying to rob the house. And that part sounds really weird now that I say it out loud. But the family has flown to Paris and the mom goes through, she moves heaven and earth to try to get back to see her son and, and to make sure that he's safe and get to him by Christmas time. And she gets in and then like 10 minutes later, the rest of the family gets in and she's just astonished because she's exhausted and she's driven all across the country after she finally got back to America. But the point is, we sometimes do this where we forget that we're supposed to be living out of abundance in the what next. And then we see Jesus and it all clicks for us. And we ought to go back to Jesus as fast as we can, because Jesus is abundance. Jesus doesn't say, throw the net off to the other side, and they only catch two or three fish. Jesus says, throw the net off to the other side, and you'll catch loads of fish. And they caught 153 fish. I don't know why it's that specific, and I'm hoping to find out someday. <laughs> but they catch 153 fish, which is far more fish than they're going to need for breakfast. That could feed the whole village nearby for breakfast, if you like to eat fish for breakfast. But the point is that we live out of the abundance of Jesus. That's what happens next. The world tells us to live out of scarcity, to fear, to live in these ways where we hoard things for ourselves or we, we hoard, uh, we not just hoard money, but we, we cling on to, uh, to parts of our identity that we fear giving up to Jesus. We, we cling on to ideas about, about who we are as humans uh, and we cling on to our privilege and we cling on to our status in society and we cling on to, uh, we try to cling on to political power, not realizing that, that if we really take Jesus seriously, that he has opened up a kingdom of abundance to us, that we live in the Lordship of Christ now on earth as it is in heaven that with God's help, we live in this kingdom now and in the kingdom of God, there is abundance for everyone. And so we can give away our privilege to those who are thought lesser of in society. We can give away our political power to those who have no voice. We can give away our, our money and our wealth knowing that we serve a God who can summon 153 fish out of the sea and who serves the cattle that live on a thousand, who owns the cattle who live on a thousand hills and who lacks for nothing. And there's no offering that we can give to God but ourselves because God needs nothing from us but us. That's the kingdom, that's abundance.
and Peter had forgotten it. But when he saw Jesus, he remembered. And so sometimes when we, we get into these situations, like the ones I was describing earlier, whether it's good or bad, whether it's graduation or retirement or marriage or, uh, or something celebratory, or whether it's something where we wonder, gosh, what's going to happen next to this, this person that I love or to my family or to my world? We just have to look for Jesus on the shore with breakfast. Because that's what it's all about. It's, it's not about not finding ourselves in these places in our lives because we sometimes come by it naturally. We're flawed people. We're broken people. And there are going to be times that even if we're doing our very best to pay attention to Jesus and to, to live out the ways of Jesus, that, that we're going to wander and we're going to stray. But in those times, we look back to the shore and we see Jesus. And Jesus already has breakfast made for the disciples. But Jesus calls them to bring the gift that he's given them and bring it to the shore so that it can be used. And this is what we do in our lives is we know that we have something that we can bring to Jesus. We know that we've been given something out of God's abundance and we bring it to Jesus and we do what Jesus tells us to do. We ask this question, what's next? So many times. And when we answer it out of scarcity, when we answer it out of fear, when we answer it out of self-preservation, we're always going to be floating on a boat, catching nothing in the middle of the night. But when dawn comes and we look to Jesus, we see God's abundant love for us. We see God's abundant love for our world. And we remember that we are people of love, people sent on a mission, and people empowered by the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead.
We come to the time of the Lord's table. And if you are listening to this before 1130 a.m. Pacific time on the 2nd of May, 2021, we invite you to join us at our Zoom coffee hour to, uh, to celebrate the Lord's table together with us over Zoom. Uh, if you would like the link for that Zoom, uh, you can email baptist.church at comcast.net and we'll be happy to send it to you. Um, but if you're not able to join us on Zoom, uh, whether you uh, don't have the technological capabilities or you're listening to this later, we will be celebrating the Lord's table now. Uh, and so you can follow along with us uh, if you have access to any sort of, of bread or cracker or donut or cookie uh, and any sort of a liquid, whether it's grape juice or water or Gatorade uh, or, or the, your favorite soda. Friends, we come now to the celebration of the Lord's Supper. This is the joyful feast of the people of God. People will come from the east and the west, from the north and south, and sit at the table of the kingdom of God. On the day that our Lord was raised from the dead, he was sitting at the table with his disciples, and he took bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him because this is the Lord's table. Our Savior invites those who trust in him to share in the feast that he has prepared. So now, following Jesus' example and command, we take this bread and this cup, the ordinary things of the world, which Christ will use for extraordinary purposes. In this, we proclaim our faith that Christ has died Christ is risen, and Christ is coming again. Let us pray. Living God, let your Holy Spirit move in power over us, that receiving this bread and cup would truly be for us the communion of the body and blood of Christ, that we may become one in him. Amen. Scripture tells us on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a piece of bread and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And looking back at what Christ did for us on the cross, take and eat this bread. In the same way, Jesus took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup represents the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed in my blood. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And looking back at what Christ did for us on the cross and looking ahead to drink it in, drinking it anew with him in the fullness of his kingdom, come, take and drink. For whenever you eat this bread, and drink this cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's laws, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. 
You are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We thank you for joining us for worship today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the abundant presence of Jesus, the presence that leaves us with lacking no thing. And if there's a way that we can minister to you, that we can help you uh, discern the presence of Jesus in your life, if you want to become a follower of Jesus and proclaim Jesus as Lord of your life, then we would ha be happy to talk to you about that as well. Uh, our church website is onebaptistchurch.org. Again, that's the number one baptistchurch.org. And there's a form on there. Uh, our phone number is on there. There's a form on there where you can send us an email, and we'd be happy to talk with you about what it means to live the abundant life of Jesus. I'd like to thank our uh, church pianist, Jeannie Vance, for our prelude this morning. I'd like to thank our director of worship and youth, Melissa Mellinger, for leading us in song. I'd like to thank our church moderator, Jim Leatherman, for leading us in prayer. I'd like to thank Katie Witham and the First Baptist Church readers uh, for our creative scripture readings. And I'd like to thank Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers, for making everything sound good. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. <laughs>